Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, we've been in a series the last few weeks that we are calling Are We There Yet? And this has been an amazing series. And if you're new with us, I want to give you a little bit of context this morning. But I also want to invite you to go back and head to the YouTube channel and listen to the last couple of messages that Tim has preached because they won't just help provide more context, but I think they'll be helpful for you. But Are We There Yet is this sermon title, and it's all about tapping into that frustration that many of us find ourselves in when we feel like we're in a season of delay in our spiritual walk. Anybody ever felt that? Like, are we there yet? You're the little kid in the back seat of the car, like, seriously, we're still driving, I'm still here? And we're tapping into this frustration. Now, as we've done every single week, we've provided a bit of a disclaimer. Because sometimes when we face delay, it maybe isn't our doing. Instead, sometimes delay is actually divine. Sometimes in the middle of delay, God is actually working something out in us. He's preparing us. He's readying us. Maybe he's maturing us for the thing that we're going to step into next. But I'd like to add to that this morning because sometimes in the delay, it's because of God's timing. How many of you know God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his timing is actually better than our timing? In fact, this last week, I was sharing with a new family in our community about the delay of Tim and I having kids, that we had to wait for about two years before I was actually able to get pregnant. This is a delay that many of you in the room have experienced or maybe are currently experiencing. And that was a frustrating time for us. But what I found on the other side of the waiting, on the other side of the delay, is that God's timing is in fact way better than my timing. I won't go into the full story, I could tell you later, but the short end is, if we would have had kids when we wanted to have kids, Tim and I never would have said yes to pastoring 15 years ago, which means we would have never moved to San Francisco to pastor this church. Come on, how do you know sometimes God's delay is in fact divine? But I'd say this morning that more often than not, when it comes to us making progress, that's not the case. Instead, Often the delay is the result of our own disobedience. So today we're gonna to do the same thing that we've done every single week. We are going to step in and press into this frustration of delay and look at the scripture so we can ask ourselves this question, why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? Is it Perhaps not necessarily a divine thing that's keeping me from progressing, or is it maybe something I'm doing or not doing that's keeping me from stepping into the future? See, this first week we talked about why am I not free yet? Last week, Tim preached about why am I not fulfilled yet, which how many of you know set us up really well for a week of fasting and actually being fulfilled in Jesus? And this week, I want to us another question. Why am I not growing yet? Ask your neighbor, why am I not growing yet? You tell me, figure it out for me. 
Now this morning, I am not talking about your physique. In fact, many of you did not grow this last week, instead you shrunk. I'm so sorry for all those like bodybuilders who are trying to get the gains, didn't work this week. Instead today, I am talking about our faith journey. Why am I not growing in my faith? Why is it that I've been following Jesus maybe for a long time now, but my life still looks the same? Not a lot has changed. Why is it that I'm still dealing with the same sin or it's the same things that are holding me back, the, still, the same challenges that I'm coming up against? Why am I still here? I know the Bible says that I'm supposed to go from faith to faith, so why am I still in the original faith? And to help us answer this question today, we're gonna look at the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible today, you can turn to Hebrews chapter five. And it says this, you have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. I love the like boldness of the writer of Hebrews. I just imagine him like pointing his fever, like are you freaking kidding me? You're like babies. He goes on to say, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who, th who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let's pray this morning as we dive in. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are moving among us, you're speaking to us. I thank you that you've already been present in this room. And I pray that you would continue to speak today. I pray we'd open up our hearts and I pray that I could speak clearly in the name of Jesus, amen. Now it is completely normal for babies to drink milk. No one would argue with a baby nursing from its mother. No one would argue with a baby being bottle fed or even an infant holding a bottle themselves. Now it'd be ridiculous for us to expect an infant to slice into a steak when it can't hold its head up and it has no teeth. Now the same goes for our spiritual walk. It would be ridiculous for us to expect a brand new believer to figure it out on their own. If you say yes to Jesus on a Sunday, if we were to say, all right, come out to the connect table, I have a Bible for you, pat you on the back and send you on your way. No, that would be ridiculous, why? Because babies need help. And those who are young in the Lord need help. And this is one of the reasons we do something around here called First 40, where we help you start your journey of faith strong, where we teach you how to read the word, what it means to pray, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And FYI, if you didn't know, our kids' church and our junior hires right now as we speak are going through First 40. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is really cool. It's cooler than that clap. <laughs> now, it would be ridiculous for us to expect a new believer to figure it out on their own. And First 40 is essentially the way that we hold the bottle for you in the beginning of your faith. But the writer of Hebrews was not talking about new believers here. No, he was talking to believers who'd been walking with Jesus for, as he says, some time now. How long? Some time. 
So much time that the writer of Hebrews actually expected that these Christians he was talking to should be teaching the basics of faith to other people. But instead, they were needing him to come along and hold a bottle for them. And I think that the same goes for today. There's a lot of believers, and sorry, but I think some in this room who are still in that space. They're described as it says in Hebrews 5. Because you maybe have been following Jesus for some time now, but you are still needing someone to hold the bottle for you. Instead of biting in or slicing in to that delicious filet mignon, we should have that tonight. It sounds so good after fasting. But instead of eating a steak, you're still taking in formula. Why? Because you haven't done what's necessary to grow. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear that the responsibility of growth is on the individual. As a believer, a follower of Christ, it is my responsibility to read the Bible for myself. It is my responsibility to set my alarm clock so I can wake up in enough time to spend time with Jesus in prayer. It's my responsibility if I want to grow to actually step into spiritual things so that I can grow. This week, as I fasted, one of the theme verses for me which is kind of one of the theme verses for my life, is one of my favorite verses, which comes from Psalm 27.8, where the father is speaking and he says, come and talk with me. And my heart responds to the heavenly father, Lord, I'm coming. Listen, church, there is always an invitation. There is always a come and talk with me. Come and spend time with me. Come and get to know me. Come and grow in me. But we have to RSVP to that invitation. We have to respond and say, Lord, I'm coming. So today, I want to spend our time looking at a couple of responsibilities that you and I must embrace if we truly want to grow. Now, today, we're going to look at two. I'm sure there's more. There's always more. But I hear there's a foosball game on, so I can't preach all day. Mm. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. The two main responsibilities we have if we want to grow is to be planted and pruned. When scripture is speaking of spiritual growth, it often uses the analogy of a tree or a plant. Our lives are like seeds planted, and if tended appropriately, will grow to be mature, strong, and full of life. But that tending is found in our willingness to be planted and pruned. Let's look at the first one this morning. Be planted. Psalm 92, 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Can you guys just contemplate on that verse real quick? Just keep reading it on the screen real quick. Amen. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. The writer of this psalm claims that if we are planted like a tree in in good soil, which is the house of the Lord, then the promise is that you and I will flourish. Uh, When Tim and I first moved to San Francisco, we made it a point before we started our church, we wanted to connect with other Christians in this city. So we went to other church services and different Christian events so we could connect with other Christians. And 
When I began to meet and talk to with other believers in this city, and I would have conversations with them, something very alarming struck me. I found that there were a lot of visitors of the house of the Lord, but not a lot of people that were planted in the house of the Lord. Now, as I'd have conversations with people and say, what church do you go to? They'd say, oh, well, sometimes I go over to this church because I love the worship. But, you know, I go over here for really sound doctrine and solid teaching in the word. Oh, so you go to two churches. Oh, okay, okay. Or I love the kids program over here or the VBS and the, it's just wonderful. The women's ministry just blesses me every Thursday night. But I don't go there when so-and-so's preaching because they're not very good. I found that a lot of people would visit church, but they weren't committed. They were visitors, not committers. Or let me say it like this. They were potted, not pruned. Sorry. Thank you, Pastor Tim. We're going to pretend that hadn't happened. They were potted, not planted. Yeah, that was good. You see, there's something very, very convenient about being potted. When I moved from one house to the other, it was really easy for me to take this plant with me. I just picked it up and I was like, oh, cool. Let's go to the other house. See, there's something very convenient about being potted because it means that you could very easily and quickly leave a place when you don't like the Christian buffet that you're being offered. Ugh, the worship's way too loud here. Let's leave. Honey, honey, I just found out the female pastor is preaching this. Grab the kids, get to the car, let's go to the church down the street. See, when you're in a pot, it's really convenient for you to leave. Why? Because you're not committed. So you could come in anytime you feel like it or leave anytime you don't like what's happening. Another interesting thing about being potted is there's something about a pot that creates an environment that can become restricting. You see, this plant, for instance, when I first got it, it was much smaller than this. You, know, you might argue with me and say, a plant can most certainly grow in a pot. And it's true. This plant grew much taller inside of this pot. But the interesting thing about this plant in particular is that it hasn't grown in about two years. Why? Because the environment that it's in is restricting it from any further growth. It's confining it to stay this size, this stature. Now, here's another interesting thing that maybe only my plant people, where's all my plant mom and moms and dads, house plant people? Maybe only you would notice this, but if you examine this plant carefully, you'll see that some of the leaves are beginning to turn yellow. And because I try and be a good plant mom, I went to the doctor, which is Google, and here's what I found out. I found in my Google research that the surface area and the volume ratio is far greater in a potted plant which means it's heating up and it's cooling down far quicker than a plant that was, would be in the ground. And this function, fluctuation in temperature is causing damage to this plant. See, if this plant remains in this pot much longer, not only will it not grow, it may not survive. My encounter with these 
potted plant people that I found when I first moved here, it wasn't just alarming, it was actually pretty helpful for me. See, when Tim and I came here, we knew what type of church that God was calling us to plant. And running into these people reinforced even more what type of church we wanted to be, what type of disciples that we wanted to make. Now, I love what that Psalm says, because God is saying to us what type of disciple, what type of churchgoer, what type of believer he wants us to be. He wants us to be those that flourish. Not people that simply survive life. So when I moved here, I said, what type of disciple do we want? I want disciples that flourish that aren't just you know, turning yellow and getting sickly or are getting to some point in their growth but then stopping. So Tim and I had to extend an invitation for people to get planted. That's actually one of the reasons why we do something around here called Discover. So that we can not just have you get to know he and I and God's heart for this community called the Father's House, but it's also an opportunity for you to figure out is this church gonna be my church? Is this the place that I should plant myself? And listen, I know it's hard to find a church. I know you gotta visit and figure out if this is the right place for me. But I'm gonna tell you something that I tell people every single month at Discover. I don't care what church you go to. Aren't you encouraged that I don't care? Here's the thing. If this church isn't right for you, I'm okay with that but I want you to get planted somewhere. Why? Because I moved to San Francisco because this city is lost and going to hell without a savior. And I believe that it is planted, flourishing believers that have the best ability to reach the lost of this city. So we gotta plant somewhere. I was very strategic in mentioning Discover because here's the deal, it's happening today. Listen. If you're new with us, our heart for you is that you would get planted in a church, and maybe this is the one. Or if you're old with us, and you've never been to Discover, I wanna invite you to come today so that we can help you in this journey make that decision. Is this gonna be the place that I'm going to plant? So if you're not doing anything, you don't know what foosball is, come have lunch with me. Now, this morning, We're gonna move on. There's another reason why planting as opposed to potting is so vital. And it's because it's not just the environments and the nutrient-rich dirt then space to grow that's helpful for a plant, but it's actually who it's planted around. So little buddy, I promise, I'm gonna get you in the ground soon, but we're gonna put you here. We're gonna move on from plants to trees. How many of you have ever visited Muir Woods? Yes, you can raise your hand. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's the most amazing thing about these redwood trees isn't the fact that they can grow up to 250 feet tall and they're so incredibly majestic. You should go visit. Go see them. Now, I thought when I first went and saw redwood trees that, oh, they're so tall, that means that their root system must be really, really deep. But come to find out, Redwood trees, although they can be up to 250 feet tall, their root system only goes down about six to 20 feet. So how do these massive trees withstand 
all of the elements and time and storms and things that come at them. What's incredible about these trees is not the depth of their roots, but it's who they're planted near, each other. Redwood trees take their roots and they go down into the ground, but they don't just go straight down, instead they fan out and they intermingle their roots with one another. And they essentially kind of hang on to one another. So the reason that they can withstand time and storm is because they're close together. I imagine I'm like, all right, just hanging on. I was gonna say arms, but really it's like feet. And they're like, Billy, I heard the news, an atmospheric river's headed our way. Wind storms up to 90 miles an hour. Hang on, it's okay, buddy, I've got you. And they're just swaying together. It's incredible. Now, the reason that they can do that is because they're near each other. Oh, what a beautiful picture of what the church should look like. What a beautiful picture. Our roots going down together. Now, maybe thus far in the message you'd say, thank you so much for talking about your house plant and I'll go visit Muir Woods, but this message isn't for me. No, I, I am... I am planted here, Robin. I don't need this. Well, let me just challenge that for a half a second. Are you truly planted here or are you just a really good attender? Let me ask you this morning, how do you know if you're planted? Who knows your name around here? Not just your name, who knows your story? Who knows your past? Who knows your propensities? Who knows what you dealt with last week? When you look around the room, can you identify the people that you're linking legs with, that you're rooted with? See, when we first started this church, we refused to be a church that just met on Sunday. Why? Oh, because I went back and I read the New Testament and I realized the church isn't a building, but it's actually a group of people. I love what Acts 2.46 says, because it's the perfect picture of our community. It says that they worshiped together in the temple and they met, in, they met from house to house and they formed community. Friend, church isn't just on Sunday. That's why we say, join a group. Come, be a part of a community. Find people that you can plant with and link feet with so that when the storms of life come and hit you, you won't be taken out. Another incredible thing about trees' root system is something I learned called mycorrhiza. Myca is a Greek word for fungi, and rhiza, it means root. And this creates this incredible symbiotic relationship between trees. And actually, not just redwood trees, but all trees, almost all plants, have this thing called mycorrhiza. And it gives them the ability to communicate with one another. You guys, the trees are talking. The trees are talking. What I learned is that the trees can actually warn each other when danger's coming. If maybe there's an insect infestation that took out run tree, they can send communications to the rest of the tribe. Or if a drought is coming, they could say, hey, hey, be warned, this is what's going on. In fact, through this symbiotic relationship, they can actually share water and nutrients with one another. Further research has found that the older trees among them, 
They can sense when a younger trees need more nutrients and they can send it towards them. Like I can, I can sense you're gonna enter an unhealthy state and so they can send out those nutrients to feed those around them. God, the creator of the tree and the mycorrhiza didn't just do this for the community of trees. He did it for the people of God. So that when you're in a season where maybe you're about to step into some danger, one of those fellow trees can say, hey, brother, sister, I love you, but I sense you might be going down the wrong way. Come here, come here, come here, come close in. Let me, let me share some wisdom, maybe what, what God might be saying. Come close. Or maybe when you're dealing with a situation and you don't know what to do, you can go to that man or woman of God who's been following Jesus a whole lot longer and say, I need some nutrients. I need some living water. And they can feed you the word. They can feed you prayer and life. Come on, this beautiful space, this collection of trees is how God intended for us. Why? Because that's where we grow. And that's where we keep growing. And the reason that we need to plant in the ground among the other trees isn't just because we need to receive something from someone else. Guess what? You have something to give. You've got some nutrients and some living water that those around you need. So how do I know if I'm planted? planted? I'm giving and receiving from the trees around me. See, when you find yourself planted among the trees, it is a secure feeling. I'm receiving, I'm getting the nutrients and the living water. It's like a cozy little space we live in. But then it's time for something else, pruning. See, in order to grow, our first responsibility is to be planted, but our second responsibility is to be pruned. It says this in John 15 too. In fact, it's Jesus who says this to his disciples. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. First house plants, then trees. No, Jesus is talking about vines. It's fun, huh? It's a lot of vegetation research I did this weekend or this week. And what I learned about vines is this. If you want them to grow and produce a healthy, abundant fruit, then it's necessary for them to be pruned. Here's a few reasons they need to be pruned. They're pruned to encourage the vine to grow upwards towards the light rather than downward toward the ground. They're pruned to keep from getting tangled within themselves. They're pruned because left to their own devices, they would produce way too much foliage and the vine would become shaded, limiting the plant's ability to set fruit buds for the following year. But pruning requires a sharp instrument, a knife, or pruning shears. I remember when I first read this portion of scripture, when I was a new believer, I thought this was so poetic and beautiful. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. And then I realized that Jesus is the vine and I'm the branch he's talking about pruning. I'm like, this isn't beautiful. No, this is painful. I don't know if I want this to happen. See, this word prune that Jesus uses here in the Greek, it means kathairo. Kathairo, and it means to be cleansed. Pruning for the believer 
acts as a cleansing, a purifying. A purifying, maybe not necessarily of vines that are dangerous for us, but they're vines and branches that maybe will keep us from growing. Some vines, some branches are those that actually are bad for us, that could be diseased, and if they're not cut, they actually could disease the entire plant. Do you know that some branches could, if they're not pruned, they could actually take you out from following Jesus altogether? I want to pause for a moment here, and I want to come back to our question today. Why am I not growing? I actually want to pose an alternative question this morning, and it's this. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? I've spent the last 15 years getting the privilege of walking with and pastoring people. And I've noticed something about this journey of faith. It's a whole lot easier to get planted than it is to be pruned. Why? Because pruning's uncomfortable. It hurts at times. When God has to come and prune maybe that unhealthy relationship from our life, or pride, or maybe our own plans, or maybe the, own, the direction we wanna go, we say, hey, no, come back this way. Or maybe it's a certain mindset. And God comes to us and he says, hey, son, daughter, we got to address this branch. We got to address this vine. I've seen believers who are planted in the house of God and growing in their faith, who when God comes to them and says, hey, we got to trim this from your life. They've said, no, 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 God, it's it's all right. Let's, Let's keep this one. It's cool. But what they don't realize in their refusal of being pruned, what they're saying is, I don't want to grow anymore. I'm satisfied with how much I've grown in you, and I'm satisfied just staying here. I haven't noticed that in other believers' life. I've also noticed it in mine in certain seasons. When God comes to me and he says, hey, Robin, we got to we got to prune that insecurity from your life. And I'm like, no, no, God, it's cool. Listen, these branches, they're acting like a blanket and they're actually covering me so no one sees me. Or when God came to me and he said, hey, we got we to gotta prune those plans and those comforts that you have for your life in that sweet little cul-de-sac you live in. When God began to whisper, San Francisco, San Francisco, and I plugged my ears. See, What we maybe don't realize when we refuse to be pruned is not only are we stopping ourselves from growing, but we're actually advocating future fruit from forming. Future fruit from forming. Let me say that a little better without a lisp. You might ask yourself this morning, what's the purpose of fruit? Well, for the the vine, the purpose of the fruit is so you could have a really nice Cabernet. But the purpose of the disciples' fruit is to look more like our Savior. The fruit of your life is actually the evidence that you've been saved. Disciples are fruit bearers, bearing bearing fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Not for our own edification. Let me remind you this morning that a vine does not eat its own grapes and an apple tree does not eat its own apples. No, the fruit is for others. Do you know that the fruit in your life, it's for kingdom purposes so that you can feed that group of grove of redwood trees around you. 
is so that you can toss some fruit out to those who don't know Christ yet so that they can see the fruit of the love that's in your life. And they, when they encounter that, they encounter Jesus. Now, the fruit has a purpose, but we will never be fruit bearers unless we're willing to be pruned unless we're willing to subject ourselves to the painful process of allowing God to cut away the things in our life that might be keeping us from producing fruit. So I ask again, do you wanna grow? Are you willing to subject yourself to the gardener's shears so that he can prune away the things that are gonna keep you from him? And this morning, I have really bad news for us. Because the Heavenly Father doesn't just want to prune you once. This is an ongoing process that happens over and over and over again in the life of a believer. But I love what N.T. Wright says about this ongoing pruning process. He says this, although it always hurts, we must be ready for the Father's pruning knife. It is an intimate process. The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when it has a knife in its hand. How beautiful is that? And that's the heart of Jesus for you and I today. Not to inflict pain on us for pain's sake, but so that he can prune us so we can grow. Last thought, and I want to invite the band to come as I share this. When Jesus shared this with his disciples in verse 15, the disciples had already been on this journey with Jesus for some time. They'd already done ministry with Jesus. They'd already seen some fruit, potentially, that had developed and had been extended out as they ministered with Jesus. But Jesus wasn't satisfied with the disciples producing some fruit. He wanted them to produce all that he had created them to produce. And Jesus wants the same for you and I. He's proud of the growth that you've made. He's proud that you finished first 40 and you learned the basics and you're beginning to witness to the people around you. He's proud of you for the growth that you've made in your life. But he is nowhere done yet. He wants us to be fruit bearers, like it says in Psalm 1, bearing fruit in every season. Day after day, month after month, year after year. He wants us to always be producing fruit. Always be extending it out. Always growing. And so because Jesus is never done growing us, as he gets ready to leave his disciples and head to the cross, he tells them this. We're going to read John 15, the back half, one more time and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. May those two words be what describes every believer in this room, even more. Well, Robin, I'm, you know, my last season has been so fruitful. Look at the disciples that I've made. Look at what, guess what? He wants to do even more. 
Robin, I've been following Jesus for the last 50 years of my life. I've produced a lot of fruit. Guess what he wants to do even more? I love what the amplified version of this verse says. It says when it speaks of the fruit that is even more, it describes it as fruit that is even more bountiful, that it is even more richer and finer and greater fruit. Listen, God's not done with you yet. You may have done a lot in the past, but He says even more over your life. I was praying for different people in our community as I prepped this and I'm gonna talk to my father-in-law real quick, okay? Yeah. You've spent your career doing so much, so much, much fruit and not just what you've done in law, but what you've done in the lives of the people and disciples around you as you've witnessed to them and loved them and invited them in. And as you come to the end of your life, <laughs> but this season of retirement and the new season that you're in, I felt for the, over you that God says, richer and finer fruit, even more, even more. Let this be what the life of the believer in the Father's house looks like, that we would be those that would produce richer and finer fruit the longer we've been following Jesus, that we would not stop ourselves when we seek His face from being subjected to the gardener's shears and saying, God, would you prune it away in me? I recognize that you can have it. I know it's painful, but I step back in. Why? Because I know there's even more fruit on the other side. May we be people of God who never stop growing, who are planted in the house of, the go of God till the end and that we would continuously be those who say, would you prune me? Would you prune me? Come on, would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your care for us. I love that quote from NT that you're so close, you love your kids and you come and you say, let me take away the things that can't be here any longer. So this morning, I pray that we would not stop ourselves from being subjected to that. We would place ourselves in your hands and say, would you have your way? Would you keep doing things in our life when we wouldn't stop it? There's a few responses today. First, if you're not planted, I wanna invite you to do something so practical that seems unspiritual. Come hang out with us to, at Discover and make that decision, am I gonna plant here? or go on our website and look up our groups. We've got some amazing groups. I've got some that aren't even filled up yet. Come on, stop living life on your own. Would you plant yourself in a greater way? And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, the things that we maybe know, I even felt this as I was preparing that some people during this fast, uh, the Holy Spirit brought to mind something that needs to be pruned in your life. Uh, and this week during the fast, maybe it's a habit or maybe it's something that you've done and this week you're like, I didn't, it didn't happen this week. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't just pause from it. Don't just pause from that behavior, but actually allow him to prune it. So that thing that's coming to mind, would you just hand it to him and say, God, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You can have it. I know what's on the other side. And then lastly, and so importantly, I know that there's people in the room today and you might say, I haven't planted in a church yet and I haven't been pruned yet because Jesus isn't the Lord of my life yet. I love this scripture that Jesus speaks to his disciples 
as it goes on in verse in chapter 15 verse 4 he says this abide in me and I in you the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me believe there's this invitation from Jesus himself today to say come and abide in me that word abide it means to remain to be held not to perish it speaks of salvation if you're tired of living life on your own for yourself and you'd like to abide in him there's an invitation today to plant a seed of salvation so if that's you if you know you're far from God and you don't want to be any longer, I want to invite you just to be so bold this morning. No one's looking around. If that's you, I want to know who I'm praying with. Will you simply lift your hand and look up to me? Mom, right over there. Amen. Right there in the back, I see you. Amen. I want anybody else. Amen. Amen. Well, as a church family, we're going to pray this out with you this morning. If you're making that decision, all of us collectively will lift our voices. And we say, Jesus, I make a decision of faith to follow you, to abide in you. I invite you to be Lord of my life and I choose to be your disciple, to walk with you all my days until I see you in eternity, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we celebrate with those who've made that decision today? Amen, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.